Aloha. Shout out Pearl Harbor, by the way. From theballerlifestyle.com, it is the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Becker. Thank you very much for joining the program. Episode number 504. Uh, last show of 2023 for all intents and purposes, or as some people say, for all intensive purposes, either. It's fine with me. Actually, I kind of like the second one better. For all intensive purposes... This is the last time you're going to hear me talk this year. I'm probably going to bust out maybe a little something for, well, I definitely am. So uh, a lot of people are hitting me up about 75 hard. Um, I am not an oracle of these things, but I've never done it. I've never done 75 hard and I do not care whether or not you do, but it's kind of fun that people want to do it since I said I'm going to do it. And I don't know if I'll complete it. I'd never, I don't know how to, you know, I know the tenants. So I'm going to record and I'm, I think I'm going to go live for that. So I'll let you know, I'll give you some warning about when I'm going to do the 75 hard podcast. And I'll just, I'll just go through the website and like read the stuff and give you my ideas on, you know, how to do it which is, you know, they're just ideas as I have never done it before. So look for that. That'll be the last show. And that'll only be for red circle people. So this is the last public show of the year, um, which reminds me also, if you want to win my watch, the next time we record a show, I'm going to give away this watch right now. There are 37 pathetic. You guys are fucking losers. This is it. Hold on. Let's get the watch down. This thing is beautiful, and I'm giving it away. There's a beautiful lion on the box, Luke Leon. Get it? And I'm gonna take. Oh, I'm gonna miss this bitch. Now it is kind of bullshit that they gave me. They made me order it with um, a picture. It had to be have a picture on the back case, and it does. And it's my logo, Baller Lifestyle logo. It was only later that my super hot girlfriend Cheyenne said. You should have got our cat Kevin on there, and it would be way better if it was Kevin. But I see in the box, it does come with a second back. So if you're one of these bitches that doesn't want my beautiful logo touching your wrist all the time where when you wear this sweet watch and close copious amounts of poon based on the watch, in all honesty... It's a pretty good-looking watch. Like, the design... Oh, I need my light on. The design is kind of cool. I can see why I picked it. It's gold. I like gold watches. It's got a um, Jubilee, I believe they call this, bracelet. Um, It's cool. It's just, you know... It's, little light to the touch (laughs) but it was it's like a couple hundred bucks on their website so look you're getting this and if you wear it people will 
this is a bit of a peacock's watch, but not like over the top. It doesn't, what I'm saying is it doesn't look cheap. What I'm saying is it doesn't look cheap from a distance. From a distance. How'd we get saddled with Bette Midler for all these years, by the way? Just kidding. She's she's a great talent. From one of the Hawaii Hawaiian islands, I believe. Uh, so anyway, I'm giving away the watch. Despite the many thousands of downloads we get here every month, exactly 37 people have signed up. And to sign up, you need all you need to do is send your email address to me at my email address, mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com. You got about a week and a half. If if you're if Christmas has happened, you got like two or three days, maybe four days after Christmas to get this done. So if it's December 30th when you're hearing my voice, it's too late, probably. Mailbag at the ball Here's the here's the people whose email addresses I have that are in the running for this. Hear it? See? It's still got their plastic on it. This beautiful Luc Leon timepiece. And if you want, maybe I'll I'll sharpie the box or something with some something very some very kind words for me. And then and then you place it in a place of honor in your home, or you wear it to the club. Oh shit! I forgot to put the other back piece in back in the box. Or you wear it to the club to the club. And you crush ass. You or if you're a lady, because there are a couple ladies. At least, there's at least one lady on this list. Maybe she wears she she wears the timepiece to the club, and she crushes some dick or you know whatever she's into. It's not my thing. Or maybe her she makes her husband wear it and pretend he's me. I don't know. I'm spitballing. These are just ideas. That's a pretty good one. Okay. Here's the people on the list. Drew in Houston, Coach Solo, Jerry Freeman, Fan Fan, Michael Knapp from Big Play Scoring, good friend Matthew Richards, Mateo Klein, Shayna Damaris, there's one female, Mark Bazin, Jeff Clark, Jeff Penton, Wayne Mathis, hardest listener, Andrew Beckner, Beer Crafter, Guru Stew, David Bray, Casey the Coloradan Trucker, Kayla Chuss, another lady, there's two, Ben 906, John and Fullerton, Tommy Kelly, Ryan Costner, Brian McAleer, a little too close to home there, Brian. Just kidding. Parada 44. Good dude. Matthew Walker. Kyle and Scani. Chad Slayback. I still owe you, Chad. Hold on. Chad Slayback. I still owe you our addresses so, so you can send us those shirts from your church so that I can wear those to the gym and look cool as fuck. Keith Harbison. Canard in Kansas. Made up person. You're going to have to send me your fucking real name and address if you win, fucker. Moses Alba, Alex Dixon, Super Lee, Terry Mal, 
Jason Culbertson, Scott Thomas Earl. Save some first names for the rest of us, Scott Thomas Earl. You're fucking hoarding names over there. Hoarding first names, Scott Thomas Earl. Get the fuck out of here. That's as made up as as Kennard in Kansas. Uh, Shalitsky just got in under the wire. How about you, Shalitsky? And, of course, the great H-Town Steve. So no doubles on there like last time. But those are the names we're going to pick from. And that's going to be available to you on the very first episode of next year. You're going to find out. You're going to download that bitch. And we're going to know who's who's gets my watch. And I'm going to send it to you. And I can't wait to do it. But So if you haven't, send an email. Mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com. Just send me your email address. Then I got all your email addresses. That's the trick. You are you are the product. Or your email addresses. Um, what else? So, oh, yeah. 75 Hard I talked about. So we're doing a movie this week. I want everybody to, if you haven't already, um, reach out to my buddy Jay Stu. He's, um, and he talks about it later on this episode. If you, But if you're not a, a Red Circle subscriber, you're not going to hear. And I think it's important. Uh, Jay Stu is in a, um, he's in crisis. Um, he is, he is losing his hearing. He has lost most of his hearing as a matter of fact. And I couldn't fucking imagine what that would be like. And the fact that he is just so even that's Jay Stu for you. He's just never too up, never too down, but he's got to be going through it. And he's, uh, by the time you're hearing this, actually today, I don't know if it's today or tonight. I just texted him. I think it was today. He had surgery to have a cochlear implant implanted into his left ear. And that is the only way he will ever be able to hear sort of okay, at least out of that left ear. And I guess the rehab, because, you know, you hear with your brain, right? So your brain, his brain needs to learn about the new way he gets information via his left ear. And I guess that takes about a year and it's got to be just an incredibly daunting, uh, uh, horrific rehab. And I just think it would be cool if you guys, because he is so popular here amongst my audience and he is a very sweet guy and just a a real genuine human being. So um, if you are so inclined, maybe send him a tweet and just let him know that um you're thinking of him i certainly am and we wish you the best jason you're the best and you're gonna hear jason in a minute because we are uh we are we did a movie this week but i just wanted to catch up on you know the 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 watch contest and the 75 hard and all that so uh, before we get to the movie i wanted to do that and i also wanted to catch up on the voicemails and the emails so let's do that He's so easy to hate, your time he likes to waste, his calls are far from great, his calls are far from great, he's such a stupid fuck, he seems down on his luck, his voicemails really suck, his voicemails really suck, no one's enjoying him, he's so annoying. Plus so fucking boring and worthless, but he's got nothing else to do. And he's 
even worse than ish, 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 ish. His faults are useless shit, 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 shit. He's fat and got big tit, 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 tits. He's been well, he got Whoa, he's been well, he got Let's do some voicemail here before we get to the movie. We're reviewing our Christmas movie this year is Die Hard. Er, turns out it's just called Die Hard Two, and not actually called Die Harder, which I always thought it was. That's one thing we're gonna learn. Look, I don't want to give away the whole fucking rest of it, but you're because you're gonna hear that. Uh, okay, couple voicemails. Hey, Bowers, Katie Shady here. Um. Just a little Jeannie Bueller trivia. Did you know that Jeannie Bueller's ex-boyfriend's mom used to babysit Shaggy Tudope and his brother? What? True story. What? Shaggy Tudope and Scooby Tudope? That's crazy. Unbelievable. Does that mean, is there potential that I am Eskimo bros with the Tudopes? Is that what you're implying here? Because that has been implied on the show before. Um, wow. Thank you very much for letting me know that. I think Katie Shady, that's a brush with greatness. Hey, that's six degrees of Shaggy 2 Dope. Shout out to Pearl Harbor, by the way. Great guy, Shaggy 2 Dope, and would love to have been able to know have been able to babysit him or whatever. I don't know. Uh, thank you for that, Katie. Here's another one. Hey, Brian and Ed. Um, Jeff and Denver Jeff here. The weigh in on the button fly versus zipper pants debate. Um, if you got a big dick. Wow. Whoa. Having a zipper for a fly. Whoa. When you pull that thing out every now and then. It, it hits the zippers or, it, or the little the little teeth of the zipper. That shit don't feel good. Yeah, I know. So if you got a big dick, the button fly is the way to go because you're not you're not risking injury every time you have to take a piss. You guys have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year. Yes. Talk to you guys soon. I I can attest, and I look. I only have the rumor. I do, you know. I'm not packing like Jeff in Denver, obviously, is. I love, like, look, I love when somebody just comes on this show and is like, hey, guess what? I got a big-ass dick. I fucking love that. That's that's true big dick energy. When you're like, look, you know what one of the problems in my life is? My dick is too big. I've, I've been having a problem carrying around this big-ass dick all the time. I got to wear, I got to choose my pants based on the size of my penis i mean what a fucking life i just want that's why i only want the rumor uh but i can attest to this too i was surprised ed was shocked that 501s were a thing it's it's got to be the the biggest selling pant in the history of blue jeans at least for sure I mean, they're very popular. I don't have an issue with button versus zipper. I will say this. I do have some button fly. I don't, I have owned 501s. I'm running into some issues because my fucking quads are so jacked that I, I can only wear certain jeans anymore. And 
I I don't currently have any 501s. I do have some other Levi's, but I have to get like the stretch Levi's. This is kind of like um, Jeff in Denver's big ass dick, but not nearly as cool. I, so I got a, I'm currently only in zipper jeans as far as I know. But I would if I could find some vintage 501s where they had a had a little more room in the thigh. I would wear. I would consider wearing a pair of those and those button up. But I, as I said on the show, sometimes the buttons kind of wear out, and before you know it, you're just you're just trolling. You just you're just out there for the world, and you you risk becoming a sex offender, which I don't want. Uh, on the flip side, I can attest to what Jeff in Denver says about zipper pants and one of the main offenders and i don't i'm not currently in these pants are dickies dickies workwear there was a time when those were the only pants i wore I had the khaki ones i had the gray ones I had blue of course i think i had some maroon ones i had all the i had the fucking rainbow of dickies back in the day and dickies will fucking zip your cock up and uh, one time a pair of, I zipped I was buzzed not drunk buzzed and I I went hard with that zipper and I I I, I something about married it I I got the frank above the beans I actually no it was just the tip of my dick the glands penis the head was the t- the teeth of the zipper had gone through and were holding the skin of the dick and then I had to unzip because the, the when you zip your dick up, you you know you don't know it's going to happen. But when your dick is stuck in a zipper and you have to unzip it, that you know there's 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 some mental fortitude that you need there because that's something you have to do to yourself to get it out. And I had teeth marks in the tip of my dick for quite a while. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it. I prefer button fly. To zipper. I do appreciate being able to hang just to, to unzip and pee, which is my normal thing. But if, but if I got to unbutton, you know, if I'm buttoning, I know I'm not going to zip my dick up because of my large penis, which isn't large. But if Jeff in Denver says it's a big dick problem, then, I'll, then I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that stolen valor because I've zipped my dick up many times. And I, but I don't buy pants based on the potential of zipping up my dick. I just buy the pants I like. And sometimes they're button fly and sometimes they're not. I have some button fly shorts. I know for a fact. So, you know, it's to each his own, whatever. Thanks for that, Jeff. Congratulations on that big ass dick, obviously. Okay, here's another one. Brian, Ed, Steve, and H-Town. Hey, we all know it's usually Ed that has the best one-liners and the zingers every show. But, Brian, you said the funniest fucking thing I think you've ever said in the history of the podcast this week. When you said, Tell me. I don't need any more tight ends shoved up my ass. That's right. Dude, I laughed so hard. My fucking nose is still hurts from the beer I spit out of my nose. I love that. Fucking hurts. Yeah. But, hey, there's been a lot of talk about Oz lately. And I used to love that show. Great I mean, show. I guess I still do. Awesome. I was thinking that the main reason that show was so successful is because of... Do you... Are you... Are you pumping bass? You got some 12-inch Rockford Fosgates in the back there? 
Steve? Because I'm uh, I'm hearing um, a lot of like background noise, and it sound it sounds like you're um, you're pumping a little back to the hotel in 1992 in your car. I had a, I always drove um, Toyota trucks, and I had a I had a remember base tubes. I had a base tube, and it wouldn't fit behind the seat, so I it went between the seats. And it was like kind of like a little console, you know, it was like a place to put your arm when you're shifting. And, uh, you know, I had a base tube. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. Admit it. I had a 10 disc changer. Okay. You better believe it. And I'd throw that thing on mix and the 10 disc changer was behind the passenger seat of my Toyota. And I'd reach back there. I'd pull out the magazine. <laughs> And come out like RoboCop style, and I'd be like, "Hey, let's mix up. Let's throw some. Let's throw ten new discs in the mix, and then we'll just throw that shit on shuffle, and we'll hear the fucking gears work in the motor, pulling those CDs in and out of the fucking player. How about that? That thing was sweet. I wish I could remember what brand. I think it was a Sony. What kind was the speaker though? I think there was a company that just made bass tubes." And it was that, and it was an eight inch base tube. And it went between the aftermarket Recaro seats I had on my 94 Toyota pre-runner. Okay. Get on my level. What were we talking about? Oh, Steve was talking and he's pumping bass. He's pumping back to the hotel. The feature, man. I mean, we're all fucking lucky that never happened to us. Everybody listening to this right now has driven drunk before. And we're all lucky as hell, by the grace of God, we never killed nobody. And that's what he was in for. And he was every man. He was every person. That's right. And that's why that show worked, because it scared the hell out of us. That could happen to us at any time. Oh, yeah. That was that dude that was gay for the stay. He's in. He shows up in a lot of shows. What was his name? Yeah, there was one dude that was in there. And he. the show was based around him. It's been a long time since I watched Oz. I just watched it when it was on. And that dude was gay for the stay because he went in and, you know, he wasn't a tough guy. He just murked somebody in a blackout, which, you know, is sadly a thing that occasionally happens. Not these days we have Uber. Don't drink and drive people. And so then he, then he needed Christopher Maloney, who's, who I'm told is a zaddy. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know? I think you have to be bald because I I think Stanley Tucci is also a zaddy. Do you need hey gays in my audience? Do you need to be bald to be a zaddy? I think you just got to be kind of jacked. And it's and what is a zaddy? Is it because I know what a daddy is because I'm one. But I don't think I think there's something like um there's like a that's like a level above if you're a zaddy. And I know Christopher Maloney is a zaddy. I can't remember his name. The name of his character on uh, on Oz, and he had a sick crucifix tattoo, which I think might be real. I, mean, I think he might really have that tattoo. Anyway, he w- he was homosexual, but he was a bad motherfucker, and so he protected the other dude whose name I can't remember, neither the actor nor the character. I'm doing a good job of this, but he was gay for the stay with Christopher Maloney because you know he just. That's just what you got to do. You know, they were very close and, you know, they would butt fuck each other. Oh, I think mostly just the zaddy Christopher Maloney would do the buff. I can't really remember. 
to be honest. But, you know, there were, they were sellies. Anyway, that's who he's talking about. Great show. Let's continue, Steve. Done. And then I started remembering, man, you know where Beecher, the actor that played him, got his start? Fucking Wayne's World, man. He was the cue card guy in Wayne's World. Yes, And he was Beecher. also in the iconic Bohemian Rhapsody car scene. He was. They're all singing in the car. With that wig. And then I was going to try to come up with the Daily's Choice just for Oz, but oh, yeah. we all know when you're in prison, you don't look at other guys' dicks That's or right. something bad's going to happen, so I decided not to do that. Yep. Anyway, guys. Have a good night. Bye. I'm sure Wayne, our, I'm sure our hardest listener, Wayne, who did a bid, but I think that was county jail. Although many say county jail much more dangerous than state prison. State prison, everybody's like, hey, we're going to be here a while. So, you know, let's get along here. Let's stay with our own kind. Let's keep our, let's keep our, let's mind our own business. And, you know, not... We just try to try to do our time, so to speak. Read some books, do a lot of burpees. Have you guys noticed this explosion? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with reels, but my my whole for you page is ex-cons doing burpees, and then and, and I'm like, oh here, and it's my mistake because I've clicked on a couple of these, and it's and it's just some dude with some fucking big ass soup sifter mustache. And his the fucking town that he's from in black and gray on his fucking jacked chest and some some t- some Chicano tattoos of like hyenas on his arms and shit. And he's fucking super yoked and he's just fucking doing hundreds. He's got the best burpee form ever. My chick was asking me the other day. She's like, hey, you follow Chet Hanks. And I, I was a little offended because I was I was an early adopter on Chet Hanks. I followed him many years ago, but then I don't know, a couple of years back, Chet Hanks, who's delightful. He pivoted to all burpee content. He might've been the originator of this and it was just fucking, Hey, you're right. It's me, Chet. My dad's Tom Hanks. And I'm going to just bust out like 25 burpees right now. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, I have to watch this every day. So I, I had to cut, Chester loose, you know, and I was sad to see him go because I used to like when I would see him fucking riding wheelies on his Harley down Lincoln in Venice or or playing guitar in his in his penthouse in Marina Del Rey. Like that was the kind of shit I was here for. And I wasn't here for the burpees and he went all burpees. But And there's tons of du- and dudes are just doing prison burpees all day long on Instagram now and they're and they're influencers for it because they got Jack doing burpees and probably testosterone. And look, more power to them. I should probably be doing more burpees. A burpees, you know, that's that's good workout. Bunch of burpees. This gets kind of boring. Uh okay. Thank you for that, Steve. Here's another one. Brian Ed oh, Steve, Steve again. H-Town. Hey, I just realized the uh contest for the Old looking young guy, whatever. It's got to be called the Burt Young Invitational. Yeah, that's that might be a good idea because Burt Young is in the bracket, but like who's gonna beat Burt Young in in being young and looking old? So maybe you know, it might be yeah, we might have to call it the Burt Young Invitational because 
it kind of isn't even fair to have Burt Young in the event. Take that under advisement. Uh, okay, a couple voicemails or a couple email. Are we pluralizing emails or do we just say email? Whichever is the right way, let me know and I'll continue to do it wrong. Uh, Aloha, Brian and Ed. Just wanted to chime in on 75 hard. When you first talked about it a few months ago, I decided to give it a go. Today, I'm on day 65. As much as I've loved all 500 plus episodes, thank you and congratulations. Brian introducing 75 hard has been the absolute best moment for me personally. I've lost 30 pounds, read three books, and am kicking more ass in my life than I ever have before. My two pieces of friendly advice for everyone starting in January. First, buy the absolute best shoes you can possibly afford. In the first few weeks, your feet really get beat up. But better shoes make an incredible difference. Second, I'm sitting here juggling. There's three pennies on my desk that probably just came out of my pocket a while back. And I'm just, this has to be so annoying to hear. I'm sorry, people. I'm just playing with them. Oh, wait, my two, uh, oh, oh, second, do as much as possible as early in the day as you can. It's much easier if you can be over halfway done by noon. Good luck to everyone in the new year. 75 hard is worth the work. Thanks, ballers. That is from Mark in Houston. Mark, I appreciate that so much. I love that you're getting giving me credit for something I've never done and I didn't make up. Some dude called Andy Frazella, who's like a motivational. I bet he does a fucking shit. I bet if you go to his Instagram, he's doing burpees right now. That's as much as I know about him. I think he's kind of like a little, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, really know anything about him other than he made up the 75 hard thing. And I was going to buy the, his the book, 75 hard. And just to kind of like read it to pr- prepare for this. But um, no free shipping. And that's, look, that's fucked of me. But it takes a $20 book and makes it a $30 book if I got to pay for the shipping. And I just, that's, that's a block I have. And this, this is, this is the problem with commerce today. There's no free shipping and that shit ain't on Amazon. And I know it's because Amazon probably fucks him on the take. I get it. But it's just like, I think I can get the gist of 75 hard without, you know, I don't need it in 200 pages because there's probably a lot of motivational shit in there, which is great, but it doesn't really work on me. So thanks for that, Mark. I'm going to, I'm going to give 75 hard a shot beginning January 2nd. And I know I, I like what you're saying about doing stuff. First thing I've been waking up at 4am and then I'm just kind of laying there in bed and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pressing my erection against my poor girlfriend. Like I've, like I'll lean over, I'll pretend, well, this is what guys do. I pretend like I'm snuggling, I pull her in real tight, and then I fucking shove my super hard, medium-sized dick in in between her ass and the bed. And it's like, I don't do anything. Like, I'm not trying to get her to wake up and have sex with me, obviously. But it just kind of feels good to have my hard dick against some warm skin. And then I'll hold her there for a while. But I got the, I got the, the, uh, CPAP and it makes it kind of hard to spoon somebody when you have a fucking tube coming out of your face. And once I realize I'm not going to fall back asleep, I just take it off. And then I just kind of lay there kind of snuggling her. And then, but then we're like, uh, 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 like, you know, kind of like 
I feel like I'm making her hot. And, you know, if I throw my leg in between her legs, my leg's pretty heavy and I feel like I'm bothering her. And she doesn't say she's, she likes it. But what I was going to say is the other morning, you know, I wake up at four and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be doing 75 hard soon. So I just got up. It was pitch black. And I just went outside and went for a walk. That could have been my outside workout, you know? Just get up and get it done. So we're going to talk more about this on the 75 hard episode that I'm going to do here, maybe this weekend. Thank you for that, Mark. Another one, Brian and Ed. On episode 502, you discussed 502s, a.k.a. DUI. As the son of a police officer with a controversial feline relocation program, I grew up knowing them simply as a deuce. I, I know this person and I, and I know his dad. People got so many DUIs in the eighties and nineties. The cops had to shorten the three digit code from five Oh two to literally just two <laughs> deuce. Also, if you live in a state that uses DWI, your episodes of cops or fire, <laughs> keep it baller. That is from our dear friend, sketchy grace. <laughs> there's a ps that i can't share i know i know old sketchy <laughs> he's a good dude i've known him since he was 10 years old uh thank you for that buddy um I, yeah i forgot pulling a deuce hey did you hear uh did you hear uh brian pulled a deuce hey what happened this weekend oh man we we're coming Home from Out of Bounds. That's a real bar that we used to go to. We are coming home from Out of Bounds. Got pulled over on Victoria, real street. Made up name of a guy, pulled a deuce. Many of my friends. Oh, are you kidding? I, no. you. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, bro, I got to go do community service. Oh, is it from that time you pulled that deuce? Yeah, man, you're still dealing with that? Fuck, bro, don't get one. Yeah. A deuce. Thank you for reminding me of that, Sketchy Grace, because we did call him that. 502 got shortened to two, and we just called it a deuce. You got a deuce. Unbelievable. Thank you. I, I love that kind of nostalgia. Okay, that's the catching up. We've done the catching up. I'm, I'm stoked to check in with you guys. Thank you for everybody that reaches out, that, that stays in touch with us, that gives us stuff to talk about like that. I really appreciate hearing from everybody and it's the best part of the show. And so I wanted to catch up on this because it'll be a couple year, a couple years, a couple weeks before you hear from me live again. So with that being said, without further ado, please enjoy your Christmas movie this year. Special guest, Jason Stewart, die hard Two. not die harder. I am joined now, as always, by my dear friend, co-host of the show, the great Mr. Ed Daly. Ed, how are you, buddy? Well, oh, that is I'm so excited for yet another holiday episode with with our great guest. That is that is so good to hear. Uh, I am also joined now. By our, by our special guest and a real fan favorite, somebody the audience loves. You will, if you listen to the Bachelor podcast we do together, the Bachelor lifestyle. Of course, you will recognize my dear, dear friend, the great Jason Stewart. Jason, how are you, buddy? 
Hello, everybody. Hello, hello out there. I see OJ. Yes, yes. Uh, So, Jason, before we get started, I want to I want to just first give you credit and get your thoughts on how this went down, because about (laughs) a week ago, you posted to the website, twitter.com, and you said something you retweeted somebody because it was it was seemed to be that the great Japanese phenom Shohei Otani the the most the most coveted free agent in the history of Major League Baseball the it appeared that he was on his way to the Toronto Blue Jays for his next contract and you tweeted if this doesn't get done. I am holding Andrew Friedman personally responsible. And then, not 24 hours later, the tides had shifted, and suddenly, Shohei Otani was a Dodger. Tell us, Jason, what was it did you hear anything back obviously your tweet was the thing that got the deal done have you heard from andrew friedman what what was how did he use that as impetus to get the deal done what do you know that's a good question i know i um I have a complicated relationship with the Dodgers front office um, as a fan, as somebody who's been with this team since the seventies. Like right. I, I have a complicated relationship with Andrew Friedman. I may, I, I often criticize the guy. Um, now hold on. And, hold on. Is the, is the relationship complicated by virtue of the fact that, you know, he exists and this is he, the first time I've heard, I've heard his name before. And he does not, in fact, know that you exist. Is that what complicates the relationship? Probably. I mean, if you're if you want to go literal and and try to imply that there's an an, an interpersonal relationship, oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I've, I've met the guy a couple of times, yeah, yeah. but um, but no, my relationship Was, with him is complicated okay, because hold on. he runs. Hold on, he I'm runs sorry. my favorite team. I'm sorry. Hold on. I I want you to answer this question. And you're answering it earnestly, which is even better. But you've met Andrew Friedman, and you've met me many times. Tell me, and I need and be honest. You could, don't do don't don't do one of your bits that you do. Be honest. Who's taller? Um, I think Andrew's a, a bit shorter than me. Oh, oh. So I think he's a bit shorter. So, he's probably five eight and a half. Oh, you're saying he's a half inch taller than me. Yeah, he's about a half inch taller than you. Damn it! Yep. God damn it! Yeah, his bank account's a lot taller too. Okay, continue. T- tell me about your contentious relationship with Andrew Friedman, please. Well, my my whole thing is this: uh, he's been here for what? I think he's been around for nine to ten years. Yeah. Um, they won one World Series, but to me, that one World Series becomes more more of an eyesore. What are you talking every about? Year- Every year they don't win. Every year they don't win. That 2020 COVID series becomes less impactful. I, I can almost I can almost say it's an asterisk. 
Well, um, did they play a different amount of games than so, the other teams? Oh, yeah. and, and then spending 8 million times the rest of the league, there's there's not an asterisk with that either. No. Like, it's all bullshit. No. It's, it's, please, I Ed, mean, please, Ed, with I've, your, with your, heard, your small market biases um, over here. But, I mean, and Brian and I as Dodger fans have heard all that that lazy, low-hanging fruit criticism that Ed just gave That's right. out. That's right. And I typically just dismiss that. But <laughs> but um, Andrew Friedman. Well, why did he sign Otani? He signed Otani. Yeah. Because uh, they have the money. I th- money. I, give Otani. Honestly, yeah. honestly, I think that Andrew Friedman, even though he has told us differently, I think that even though he has fielded the most successful regular season team and like, the history of baseball, I would oh argue. Oh my god! Over over the past nine years, this is not. Are the you question. talking about the team last year that won one less game game in the regular season? My Orioles. Yeah, exactly. We're Correct. Yes. Also, yes. this is not. Please, this is not the question I asked. I don't. I don't need. I don't need your fucking theories on the Dodgers know, but and why it, they're this or that. Like, but I just needs- want to know. Did he? He clearly read your tweet, and he was like, "Give it. Offer him more." Jason Stewart is going to say it's my fault. I don't want Jason Stewart going around telling people it was my fault. Whatever needs to be done, get Mark Walter on the phone. And then when he and then when he did he did something, Jason tweeted about how it's going to be pain, painful to see all the bandwagons as if every every Dodger fan right now are core. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Bandwagon so fans. I, yeah. I felt I thought I thought that my answer needed context. You guys are obviously uh, on Ritalin and a part of the the generation that doesn't want context. You just want the answer. And yes, I think at the end of the day, yes. Shohei Otani was going to fly to Toronto. I thought he, maybe he was probably going to sign with the Blue Jays. But Andrew Friedman read my tweet. That's right. I think he reads my tweets a lot because I... I come at him pretty hard, but you can't argue with any of my points. And I think he he did whatever the extra thing that needed to be done, he did that. So whatever that was, whatever that condition was, he got on the phone with the agent and said, that thing I said I would never do, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Give him Um, Is Shohei Otani only of sex in certain months? Certain months. And procreate. That's a great question. That's a great question. I hope the audience can hear that because Ed sounds fucked up to me, but I think it'll be okay in post. So as we do here often at Christmas time, I believe last year, I just hit the mic, Jason Stewart style. Uh, I believe last year we discussed the comedy masterpiece trading places, which at one point Jason stopped the show and said, you guys actually think this is funny? We do a Christmas movie every year. We we did Die Hard a few years ago, and now we've done, we've done of all kinds of. We did uh, Band Aid. We That's did right. Charlie Brown. Brown Christmas. That was Jason. Yep. We did Love Actually. Uh, love Actually. Yeah. We did Love Actually. That, that's your favorite movie. That's my favorite holiday movie, Christmas and movie. I, it's pretty good. Brian, I like it. Brian completely misrepresented me. Um, what? I what? didn't. I didn't. At no point in last year's podcast did I say you guys think this is funny. What I yes, did say did. was you said what that. I, this, no, this is what I said because mm. I Ed had said it's like a top three or five movie of all time for him, and I'm like comedy, really? comedy, and then comedy. Yep. And then I said I it was. Stand by that. It's good. 
and then I said it was the most racist Christmas movie of all time. No, I mean, that's because you're woke. That's mm, I, again, yeah. I have to t- take issue with that. Yeah. If you've ever seen the movie White Christmas, they get <laughs> go all out in blackface yeah, they and do. they talk they to sing about Abraham Lincoln's freeing the yeah. slaves and they're in blackface. They don't so even show. No. They don't even show that movie anymore. <laughs> they don't. Even, White Christmas used to be a staple. You turn on TNT. Or TBS, awful, awful movie. Movie. It, it would awful. always be on, and it's who is it? Is it Bing Crosby and Danny Kay? Bing Crosby, and D- Danny Kay, and uh, yeah, Doris Day. Of- is Doris Day in there? No, v- Vera, Vera, something. I don't know. Yes, yeah. Rose, Rosemary Clooney. Oh. Aunt was one of them. Oh, George Clooney's aunt was in there. Uh, well, that's a good look. That's yes, that's much more racist. I mean. Trading places, I wouldn't say. I don't know. Jason didn't like it. So, Jason, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Getting off the Christmas theme, maybe, I don't know, eight months or so ago, we reviewed another movie, and you were you were lucky to be invited. We discussed a, a, a literal classic, a movie that has been, it's in the fucking zeitgeist, like, Everybody knows it. It's the it's the quintessential action oh, movie. This was last year, right? Yeah, this is last year. The quintessential action movie. A movie. Oh, was it? We did this. Yeah, because that's a Christmas movie too. This was the Christmas movie last year. That's right. We did Trading Places two years ago, and so we did we we discussed this movie last year, and it's it's something. It would be like saying, "What um, what's a green light?" Do what? What do you do at a green light? And everybody, everybody go. Well, I don't know. You go. Yeah, you go at a green light. Similarly, you go. Hey, what's um? How about that movie Lethal Weapon? And everybody goes. Oh yeah, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. It's fucking Christmas time, and he's a yeah. fucking cop on the Bloody edge. And cop movie. Yeah, yeah. They're buddy cops, and he's too old for this shit. And everybody knows. And Jason Stewart's like. Uh, yeah, what's I don't know. What's this? What's Le- uh, Lethal Weapon? I know. I I don't know. I missed it. Ha! Just to again yes, yes. to to correct Brian here. But I, correct. I I had either not seen it or I saw it once and then had to rewatch it. But yeah. no, it was you, not a movie that you was said on my you radar. Had, you had not seen it. You yeah, told us you yes. had not seen. It That's fine. You said no. I, I quote I'm fully you. willing to admit that. I, I quote I, it you. It's not on my radar. I must have missed it. I must have missed it. There's four sequels. <laughs> Fucking Joe Pesci is in three of them. Mel Gibson. Heard of him? The fucking biggest movie star of the eighties and nineties. Yeah, didn't see it. So we're today we're discussing Die Hard two. I assume you've seen or you're familiar with the original Die Hard. I, I for God whatever reason I think we've done the original Die Hard. No, we, Have did, we, not we did it with podcast? Mark. No, we did it with Mark the Nomad. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. We didn't do it. We didn't do it with Jason. Did we? I don't know. I thought we did it with Jason because it was a Christmas movie. We, we've done all Christmas movies with Jason. Well, you're probably right. Okay. Very familiar with the first one. Yeah. That's great. Yes. And now talk about what's your What's your experience with Die Hard? 1990. Um, I saw it when it came out. I don't know if I've seen it since, so it was nice yeah. to revisit. You know, I, I, I think I'm the same. I saw it when it came out, and maybe I ran into it again. I mean, it's not really – 
such it's, a it's nowhere near yeah. it, it made more money in the theater yeah. than yeah. the first die hard but it's yeah. nowhere near like the the repeated on tv kind of thing and it's and it's peppered with those taglines and i believe the the main flaw of this movie besides the script is that they gave it to the the one of the greatest hacks in hollywood history <laughs> Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan directed this. So I did I did a little like research yeah. on them. Like, yeah, yeah, what was the deal? So John McTiernan dropped out to do Red October. Yep. And Rennie Harlan, to this point, had had done Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Yep. It's finished, dude. Yep. Future husband of Gina Davis. Yep. And he got, he working on the movie Ford, Ford Fairlane with the, with dice it's underrated that's actually kind of a good movie yes yeah I saw that the executives saw the dailies for Ford Fairlane and they're like we need this guy yeah bring in get us right and so Harlan. that's what happened what is let's what else did Rennie Harlan do because well, well he, on, he wanted to do a cliffhanger right after this right yeah yeah and then and then Island was the big bomb starring his wife that Gina was Davis uh side um off topic or side note cutthroat island Written by my second cousin, Michael Frostbeckner. Wow. Yeah. The, the, the biggest bomb. It, and he's like, and I've talked to him about it. He's like, look, he's like, I, re- I wrote this unconventional pirate movie. And then they gave it to Rennie Harlan and he made it the most conventional possible pirate movie you could ever imagine. So, yeah, he did that. What else? Ford Fairlane. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Not, uh, oh, Deep Blue Sea is a classic. Okay. That's, that's, that's the Deep Blue Sea is the one. Where Tim Jackson gets, gets eaten by the shark, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, there's, there, it's like the abyss. He's given a speech. But, but with sharks. There's sharks attacking people during the abyss. So look, he's, he's a hack. And although, like, some of these movies are kind of good. So I might have to take that back. But. This is a pretty hacky, pretty formulaic action movie. Die Hard Two coming on the on the heels of the original Die Hard. I gotta admit, I, I, what it's missing. The f- number one thing it's missing is Alan Rickman. Oh yeah, the best. Oh yeah. So and then and then on top of that, Paul Gleason. So you had two yeah. antagonists that were yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I I thought you know like. I, Die Hard is one of the great action movies. Great. This to me was I thought it was an enjoyable action movie. It's, I just think it was, was you know it's compared to Die, Die Hard one of the one of the iconic movies. No, but I thought this was this was enjoyable. There were good outs and shit like that. I like that. I thought it was tough. the the bad guy is he's actually kind of good. William Sadler. He's he was the um, he was in Bill and Ted's Rennie choice with his first scene scene. Yes, he was he was. He was the bad guy he, right? in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He was the um, he was like the he was death, right? Death, yeah. And uh, I remember him from. Um, I was a big fan of the original season. Do you guys remember that reality show, Project Greenlight? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt Damon and what's his face was the executive ben, producer on ben that. Ben Affleck. Yeah. yeah, and I remember they like Battle they for tried- Shaker Heights. They tried to cast the father and they looked everywhere and then they settled on this guy after like nine people passed. I don't think that's true, Ed. 
or uh, Jason, they picked uh, that guy, Ray Stevenson. No, not Ray Stevenson. Hold on. You talking about for the dad of the initial uh, Project Green White with with what's his name who went on to do uh, Transformers? Yeah. Battle Shaker Heights. Ray Wise was the bad Ray guy. Ray Wise, they, Wise, yes. Yeah. They changed the casting then because yeah. I remember they cast this guy. Yeah. And they weren't happy about it. Yeah. They they uh, they replaced him. With, Holy shit! Yeah, they did. Fucking a, fucking a. Also, me, also, Amy Smart, not not a fan. That's a double negative. It's because I am a fan. I'm I am in fact a fan sure. of Amy Smart. On IMDb, it says William Sadler. Oh, Abe. oh, he's in it. Oh, they're both in it. I, I stand think, corrected. I think he was cast as the father. Yeah, he yeah. was a, as uh, Shia LaBeouf's Fair. LaBeouf's father. Yeah. Fair. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's he's actually kind of good. He's good in this movie. Other and do you think it was his idea? Do you think he was like, hey, That's look, definitely Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan first scene. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where he's like, hey, what if you're doing karate by yourself, nude? Yeah. I need you to do Tai Chi naked. Yes. And yeah. the, I, I, I did some research about this. Yes. And Tell Sadler's me. like, I'll do it. But you need to put, film this last so I can work with a trainer the whole time and get in the best shape of my life. Fucking, so you're going to make me be, be naked. Fucking dude was lean. Like he, yeah, he, he looked, he's like th- 3% body fat. fat. Yes. Yeah. He, he was lean. He was fucking striated. That dude was jacked. But what was the, the point? No like point. there was no reason for no that point. scene. It, no it had nothing to do with it. No. Yeah. No point. He was, he was just getting ready to do a terror operation and he was getting super jacked. Yeah, and there was there was plenty of time because there was like a silhouette of his ball sack. Oh, I there didn't see that. Did you? <laughs> that, you didn't look. Well, you didn't, Jason, you didn't that's, pause it. That's a real, that's a real Ed Daly move. Right now. Yeah, I mean Jason's choice. Jason's choice. Choice I made. Jason, how 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 was he pieced up? Was he put together? Um, clearly, you paused it to no, check out his dong at Daily Style. It's tough to tell. He looks like he's proportionate, yeah. uh, but it was a nice silhouette of his ball sack. Um, but being naked is definitely his choice. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, so what else besides William Atherton? Ed, take us through. Oh, do we want to hear the trailer? Let's let's play a little let's bit. Of the, let's play a little bit of the trailer and we'll get warmed up to the to the 1990 Christmas classic. Die Hard 2. Which I thought was called Die Harder. Is that Die Hard Three? Uh, yeah, no, it's subtitled so, Die Harder. Yeah. It is Die Harder. No, I yeah. I read this. People think that it's some DVD versions had mm. Die Harder on the the cover, but the movie itself, like when it was in the theater, and uh, like the, if you watch the movie, there's no mention of Die Harder. It was like DVD releases said Die Harder. Oh, okay, fair. Okay, this is the movie. You're on, Lieutenant. I've seen about a half an hour. Do we do we know if um, Bruce Willis and Bonnie Bedelia hated each other because they de- they definitely weren't in the movie together until the one scene? Is that just random? Well, we we've kind of learned that Bruce Willis didn't get along with a lot of people. He didn't. Kevin Smith has told us that. Uh, he had a falling out with Joel Silver on this movie. I think. Oh, he did. <laughs> well, he's a 
big fucking star. You know, that's yeah. that tends to go to your head. And he and he was he went from being a TV guy to a huge fucking star like one year Mega before star. this. Yeah, or two years before this, yeah. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Christmas Eve. Fuck yeah. Is there a cop on duty around here? Careful, police. Also, how about everybody shuts the fuck up about not, Die Hard not being a Christmas movie when it takes... It, yes, okay, we've determined it takes place on Christmas Eve. So does the sequel. The sequel also happens on Christmas Eve. So it's like, oh, it's not a Christmas movie. It happens every year on Christmas Eve. Isn't the, isn't the difference, though... Wasn't the original Die Hard released in the summer? Is that why there's yeah. there's a little bit of muddy yeah. muddy waters there? Yeah. Like it, it was, but guess what? Miracle right. on Thirty Fourth Street, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Right. They weren't Christmas releases either. That's right. Really? They were summer. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Good. That's a good retort. Yeah. Good retort. Go get them. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Washington, D.C. International Airport. What's this about? Oh, just a feeling I have. Ouch. When you get those feelings, insurance companies start to go bankrupt. The tower's lost control. Instrument landing system is down. Backup systems won't come up. We've got, a, we, got a lo- we got a lot of issues with how things went at the time. Because there, there were a lot of easy fixes here that they didn't use. Blizzard conditions. Zero visibility. Attention all controllers. We have a code red alert. There's panic in the air. There's professional mercenary. You got the world's biggest drug dealer on his way here now. What do you need, a slide rule to figure this out? You get the hell out of my office before I throw you out of my damn airport. And terror on the ground. Who is this? Who I am is unimportant. What I want is very important. Oh, we are just up to our neck in terrorists again, John. But for police officer John McLean. It's just another Christmas. You're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Story of my life. Ah! Okay, this is like the extra long. Uh, Yes. I have a question. So, did you guys, watching it for the first time in forever, did you think this movie sucked or did you just think it was like just a regular, like. I, I thought it was enjoyable enough as an action movie. Just doesn't come close to the first Die Hard. So I I need to come clean because I was watching it. I, I thought you were going to say I've never seen Die Hard. No, I would never say I would never say something that crazy. <laughs> I uh, I was watching it on my computer on my lap at the same time on my television. The Ron Rivera was fucking up for the commies in inexplicably deciding not to go for two so I could cover my plus seven. So that so that's what I had going on. So I'm like, I got to and then they missed the extra point anyway. And then they and then they missed my push. <laughs> they got they got an extra. When was the last time you saw an extra point blocked? In the NFL, well, that's, that that long snapper had two terrible snaps today. Unbelievable! And that, so the the connection here was Ron Rivera has flown in and out of Dulles many times. Good point. <laughs> nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yes. that's a good transition. So it it actually is pretty good, and, but you do as a person of a certain age, 
you do kind of find yourself getting distracted because Robert Patrick shows up and Fred Thompson and John Amos and Dennis Franz. Like Wazamo was even in it. Oh, I didn't even see it. Usually, usually I don't watch a movie if I know Leguizamo's in it. So I'm glad that happened. I'm glad I didn't even notice that. So I was kind of looking back and forth. But it is, no, it's a good, ridiculous action movie, I would say. Yeah, I um, I don't, I didn't remember it at all. And surprise. So wa- watching it back, watching it back, I said it has a lot of pluses, a lot of positives. What are they? It ha- it has some. It has some horrifying, like negative, uh, impossible things that happen. But I did think it was an enjoyable action film for the most part. It was it was, a, it was an enjoyable two hours. I thought the really I thought good the, fight scenes. Like yeah. I thought there were like a bunch of really good shootouts yeah. and fight scenes. Yeah, and the, but the, the problem is, I think the first movie was a very simple, tangible yep. plot where you knew what the bad guys wanted this whole thing with this fucking uh this guy coming in was from south america and the terrorists like it i didn't my girlfriend looked at me at some point and said i don't understand why they're flying this guy into dulles and that's a great question like it's It's a great question it's christmas time why would we fly a, a a south american drug lord into dulles at Christmas. That's a great question. Yeah. Good start. I mean, yeah. there were, there were a lot of problematic things there. Why, why did they, uh, why was there only one guy guarding him? Why was there, um, you know, it's like this guy was this guy. Why did he, why did he speak worse Spanish than I do? Like, that, like, the, like those kind <laughs> well, of things, you know, the least realistic part, you've, you've talked about some, you know, unbelievable plot twists. The least believable part was a cop not looking out for a fellow cop yeah. like in the first scene yes. and we know that blue line yes. he, the cop could be committing could be kneeling on yep. another co- another person's neck yep. and the cop is not going to get involved with the other cop oh no, no. Never. and and yes. boy boy did they go a long way to pay off that parking ticket joke like yeah that you almost <laughs> by the end of the movie you were like oh yeah that happened two and a half hours ago oh, got it yeah well how why also why how long was he there that they towed his car you don't it's not like the tow truck is there and if you're you're parked somewhere illegally the tow truck takes it away within it's a hours. minute it's what hours. was he doing yeah it's I, what was he doing i always illegally park because i know no tow, tow truck is going to come for it but by the time i'm going to leave also what this took place in dc Nothing but New York City cops, as far as the eye could see. He's he's encounters a New York cop at the thing, and it's like, and everyone everyone is a New York City cop, except we're in D.C. Well, at the time, wasn't Dennis Franz or Franz? Wasn't wasn't he this like the highest? Was he the highest no. paid actor on TV at the time? No, it was this was this was before that show started. I, it was, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought he was Hill Street Blues too. No. Oh, I don't think so. NYPD Blue was when he was the big deal, yeah. and they showed his ass he's, on TV. But I, I, I assume he's dead, right? Because so. he's he's sixty eight years old in Die Hard Two, right? Like it's. Like, <laughs> well, it's, why don't you fire it up? I'll look up the age. Okay. Why don't you play a little? How fucking old is this guy? Thing. 
Ed Daly, tell us. Well, let's guess. No, you two tell me how old he was in 1990. I will say, I will say, I've never seen an episode of uh, NYPD Blue. I, for same, but it was big for a while. Like I couldn't show. avoid it in promos and yes. stuff. Like I, knew, yes. I, I was aware that it existed. Jimmy, and he, like sometimes cursed on ABC. And yeah, like, Whoa. it was a big deal. Jimmy Smith was there, I think. How many oh, jobs? And, and what's his name? Uh, the Mark, Ginge. Mark Paul Gosselin. CSI Miami, oh, dude. He was uh, on that? Didn't he leave uh, the show? Caruso. Caruso, Caruso left uh, the yes. show like after, like, he was so arrogant. Yes. And then he did get an even higher paying gig. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And, and wait, NYPD Miami. Is, am I close? No, CS, CSI. CSI. Miami. CSI. I knew that. Okay, so I was right. Dennis Franz was on Hillshire Booze, which was a juggernaut in the 80s. Between 83 and 87. Yeah. And then, but Jason, uh, you're in your 50s. So it's. NY, NYPD yeah. Blue uh, started in 93. So you're right, Ed. This, this predates NYPD Blue. Yeah. Um, okay, but what was his age? Don't look. Don't look. What I'm was not, his age? I'm not. Um, People aged very quickly in the 80s. Right. I'm going to say he was 47 when this movie aired. Wow. Jason. Ed is 47 right now. I I have a different opinion because he's he's bald. He looks old. He looks like shit. But he's obviously younger than he actually looks. So I'm going to say uh, Dulles... Airport PD Chief Dennis Franz. Are we Franz or Franz? I'm gonna say Franz. I, I, I say Franz. Hans and Franz. Franz. Yeah. Yeah. Dulles Airport PD Chief Dennis Franz in this movie is 61 years old. Oh my god! What? But he old. doesn't. No, he's younger than he looks, so he he yeah. must be 61. Jason was pretty damn close. He was 46 years old in this movie. <laughs> I told you. I told you, dude. 46? People in the, people in the 80s age very fast. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So he's still with wow. us? Dennis Franz? 79 years old. He's okay. still with us. Wow. It, wow. Is, it is interesting, and this is, this is such a trope in movies, where a, a cop shows up and he's like, hey, I'm a cop. I know how to be a cop. I'm a detective. I know what shit is. And, uh, and there's some fucking terrorists and I shot one in your airport and you got to like do something about it. And, and, uh, uh, the other cop that's there is like, Hey, don't tell me how to run my department. All right. Get the fuck out of here. You <laughs> fucking loser piece of shit. Fuck you. It's weird that that's your immediate it's reaction. It's such a typical um, 80s movie thing. I know this was aired in... Or the captain. Or the captain will yeah. will yell it at the guy for yeah. insubordination. Yeah. That was it's, always... Yeah, when, great. when a character or a group of characters is so overly um, emotional and, 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 and like does a scene where they're just like overly whatever, that means that the tone of the next scene is going to be the opposite. In other words... When everybody's celebrating on the plane towards the end of this movie, you know that something awful is going to happen to them. Carmine Lorenzo just overacting Carmine. and going over the yeah. top that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I love when he asks uh, McLean, what have you ever done? And I, I guess my answer would be, 
You mean just last year when I when I solved a terrorist plot in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yes, that's all. That would I've have been known. national that's national news for months. Well, it is interesting because they all know who he is. And but then right. they're like, "Hey, shut up, you piece of shit!" Yeah, I saw you on TV. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. And it's like, well, hold on, he just did something that's the most incredible thing. And these days, because he's like, "Yeah, I'm LAPD now." These days, well, look, I know I belabor it a lot, but there was a pilot, and he was he actually yeah. had he actually had fewer hours than the guy that was in the co-pilot seat that day, but he. He had the controls and he took off from uh, New York LaGuardia airport, Fiorello LaGuardia airport. And he took off and he fuck it. He hit it. And look, these, these geese, they're no bullshit. They're huge. He hit a flock of geese and it, and it killed both of the engines of his plane. And now look, they've re they've re quote, he quote, Hit a flock of geese. That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, sure, sure. As far as we know. We couldn't get rid of this fucking dude. He was at the yes. Super Bowl the yes. next year. Yes. We couldn't get rid of yes. him for like a year and a half. So this so this guy, and look, they, they, they've recreated the situation in a simula simulator, and uh, a hundred out of a hundred pilots were able to return the, the plane to uh, LaGuardia Airport. But this guy, he he was like, oh, no. I'm not I'm not going to Teterboro. I'm not going yeah, back to the very least you could get to Teterboro. It's really yeah. close. Yes. Yeah. It's got some local knowledge. He goes, I got a better idea. How about I land a 737 on the fucking Hudson River? Okay. Sure. Look, look, everybody survived. I, I'm not sure about their laptops and shit, which would upset me. But what? I got my whole podcast on this laptop. What if, what if it sank in the fucking Hudson River? That's fine. He did it. Everybody lived. Well, did this did this guy fucking continue flying uh, c commuter routes to Charlotte? Get the fuck no. out of here! He's on fucking Good Morning America the next day and every day. Uh, you can't get away from this he's Sully. Like, he's yeah, he's charging for motivational yes, speeches. Yes. He's doing he's doing corporate gigs. Meanwhile, John McClane, who fucking tied himself with a with a with a fire fire hose. hose barefoot glass who gives a shit about glass da tapes a gun to his back foils of a, a bearer bonds heist in the in the nakatomi towers as it explodes oh he's just fuck, still working as a cop nobody knows who he is get the fuck out of here even in the, even in the <laughs> 90s this guy would be on tv right jason it's no? it, like i said <laughs> turns his mic back it, on <laughs> the the Franz character is just way too over the top. I don't know if this was an acting choice yes. or a writing choice, but them having him go way the other yes. way and reacting to this very credible, very credible character in this. It's it's just it's just too much. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the one trope we were talking about where like the the uh the cop doesn't like the other cop, I will say in the first die hard, I love when uh Al Powell's like, I think he's a cop up there. He could tell they were fake IDs. Yeah. And Paul Gleason goes, Jesus, pal, he could be a fucking bartender. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great lines ever. Well, that's, that's pretty good. That, yeah. That's one thing we got to get to is that yeah. whoever played the character of Powell, I forget his acting name, but Reginald Bell Johnson. No, of course. This was yeah. obviously his scene or two scenes in this 
was just like this was a reason for him to get the paycheck for the sequel. Like this scene or this character wasn't really needed. They didn't need a guy in LA that facts things. They could have had like an administrator do it, but they, they definitely made a choice so that Powell could get paid for the sequel. Right. Yeah. This was, this was as important as uh, Mr. T showing up at, uh, at different strokes or Joe Namath on the Brady bunch. Like they just, they just crammed in a cameo. Hey, look, it's Al Powell. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't fly him to the location. They're just like, Hey, wherever you are, we'll set up a a desk. Yeah. We'll set up a fax machine for you. We'll give well, you, remember, we'll give you guys, the Twinkies. Yeah. It's the, it's the 90s. So they have fax machines, yeah. microchips, microwaves, and airphones. Yeah. It's the 90s now, guys. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. He, um, John McClain was like blown away by fax technology. And, and, Forgive me, but I mean, even in 1990, like fax was pretty commonplace, was it not? Yeah, yeah it yeah. also took like an hour what, <laughs> what he had to do. Um, a little fun tidbit. So the the deal is they, they like clearly were influenced by the Iran-Contra affair and, and cocaine. So yeah. they like sprinkled in. They had to extradite this General yeah. Ramon Esper- and was, was it Esperanza. Was this pre-Manuel um, Noriega, from- our guy? I think this was right after. Okay. So it was all like tied yeah. in because yeah. they made it seem like, oh, he was making illegal arms deals and yeah. cocaine. Yeah. And he was from the Republic of Valverde. Oh. And I just Googled like I knew it wasn't a real place, but I was wondering what it was. And it pops up that screenwriter Stephen D'Souza wrote Commando and Predator. Oh. And that's where they were. Valverde. Valverde. Wow. That's wow! Good. Very so good. He, ha- he created a little universe. I love that. Es- Esperanza is from Valverde. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat this. That plot for having to get him to Dulles and then fly him out like yeah. that was lost on on me after seeing it yeah. twice. Yeah. I don't know how like the common person the lowest common denominator that loves these action movies yeah. i don't know how they understood the plot to this movie it was pretty damn complicated yeah yeah I, but but i i love james bond movies most of those plots are ridiculous too you're you're in it just for the action sequences yeah, yeah you yeah you, you gotta be in it you know and we're we're jaded and we've seen a million of these movies and they're all ridiculous but when you're when you're 13 or in this case, fifteen, and you're sitting in the movie theater. You're like, "Fuck it," you know. I'm I'm here for it, you know. Like, yeah, they're doing this, and I love it. Let's let's go for it. Uh, so John's waiting for yeah. for Holly to land at Dulles at yeah. the same time that all this other shit that that they're trying to uh, land this this uh, dictator or general, and he's waiting at the airport, and he notices some like shit going down oh, and so he yeah. like starts snooping yeah yeah while he's smoking a cigarette in the middle of the airport yeah that's so jarring which yeah. that actually was commonplace totally yeah it, i mean pre 9-11 it looks like you could just go to the airport and just hang out you could like, you yeah. would, having no um no intentions at all like you here to pick up your relatives no i just came to the airport yeah. to hang out like to hang and that out was fully fully within the realms of law well when 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 mclean gets in a gun battle in the in the baggage transport area which 
apparently it you'd, t- you'd it t- be able to hear it outside. You would, uh, and apparently it takes a lot of steam engines to move your baggage around <laughs> the airport, and then also you you wonder you're like, hey, fuck, I um my bag, I I flew to Nashville and I got here. And my, uh, my hair gel exploded in the plane and you, it must be from the pressure. And we, we learn in Die Hard 2, it's not from the pressure because they have actual, um, rollers that smash every bag as it comes through. <laughs> They're like, Hey, let's, as these bags get to the top of this conveyor, let's have something with a lot of pressure that smashes the bags real skinny. As they come through, because if some laptops aren't, yeah, laptops aren't invented now. So, but whatever people have cameras, whatever bullshit are in there, it'll be flat and completely destroyed by the time they get to their destination. (laughs) Everything's getting ground to a pulp. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) What what a system. I did find it funny too. in the, uh, in the luggage conveyor belt area, McLean makes two like significant falls one with the bad guy, one without it. And he just falls like into luggage, like they're pillows. Yeah. Like yeah. if you and I fell into luggage, no. that would fucking hurt. No. Like that, there's yeah. going to be some yeah. major internal yeah. hemorrhaging, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Well, but how many times do we see in movies, people falling into, um, uh, big garbage bins and they just land on garbage and it's like, Oh, nice garbage, garbage bags full of pillows. Like it's, it's usually like broken shit. It's very light. Fluffy um, garbage. Oh, look, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but towards the in the in the resolution of the movie, in the climax, John McClane falls off of a a the wing of a seven forty seven and lands on yes. his back on the on the runway and just pops right up. I mean, that's that's a twenty and foot snow fall. That you fall into isn't soft either. Yes, yes. He he it's, falls. It's, it's concrete and ice. Yeah, he it's falls and lands on direct. He broke his spine for sure. If not, he de- <laughs> he definitely has multiple skull fractures and bleeding on his brain. But he pops right up and he's like, "All right, let's go. No big deal." And that speaks nothing of the potential uh burn areas that he must have had ejecting from a plane that just blew up i had forgot that that is that is and also i'm not even sure it works like that on the look i i'm not an aviation that must expert have been in the trailer though yeah. i very much remember me that, too where he's like he comes close to the screen he's in that oh that yeah yes ejector yeah. seat me too because i was like wait oh yeah i forgot about this where he he shoots up in the sky by the way this movie came out on july 4th it's a christmas movie obviously but it was released on July 4th, 1990. It was? Yeah. Oh, shit. I thought this was a holiday release. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. What else happened, Ed? Uh, well, there was there was a reporter following around. Like, she was... They, they oh, knew yeah. William Sadler was a, this colonel, and, like, he, she tries to interview him, and he's like, yeah, I got two words for you. Yeah. Fucking you. And yeah. then he mutters as she walks yeah. away. Pinko bitch. Yeah. No, his his like his like henchman is like no pictures. Oh, yeah, he's like no pictures, you pinko bitch. And it's like, wait, hold on. Let's no. just trying to get and a then, story. Aside from John and Holly McLean, the other carryover from the first Die Hard is uh William Atherton, who also put he was a great eighties prick 
Thornburg? Um, he played the reporter. Yeah. Thornburg. Yeah. 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 Dick. It's, and it's true. This man has no dick. Yeah. 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 No, he's great. Um, he's on Holly's plane. Yeah. And so we find out she, he got a restraining order against her cause she knocked him out yeah. or broke his nose at the end of the first one. So she like tells the flight attendants, he's being a real dick. And like the flight attendants are like, Oh yeah, fuck this dude. And then the woman next to her is like, yeah, I brought a taser on the plane and I'll zap him for you if you want. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you got that, a taser. that one was crazy. Different, you got a taser different time. on the plane. Uh, yeah. You didn't have to walk through stuff. You didn't have to take your sh- shoes off. It was, the, it was the good old days. Well, and then the other thing is, they kill they kill like a uh what, a priest or like a caretaker at a local church that's near the airport. Oh. Yes. They like murder. Yeah. Because that's like mission control over there. Yeah, well, so, it's yeah. it's a little over the top, by the way. And this is where one of my problems with the plot is is there's a church with everything that the airport yeah. needs. Uh, near it, and they have one sixty-eight-year-old yeah. guy guarding it yeah. at a church. Yeah. Every, if 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 this church is compromised, the entire airport is done for, and hundreds and thousands of lives are yeah. are going to be lost. But they have a sixty-five-year-old guy heading this thing, um, and them killing the old man, I thought was a little over so, the top. Yeah, they could have just tied him up or whatever. Yeah. It was, you know, it was, it was. The, why did a church have a caretaker? What's, uh, is this the forties? How about you know? why does an airport have a caretaker in the basement with yeah, all the maps? Yeah, that right. was kind of weird. Right, he lived down there. That was weird. The janitor, the janitor. The also, yeah, yeah. how are you going to have one janitor at one of the biggest airports in the country? Like it's it's crazy. Oh, how old do you think he is? Because I looked him up because he was talking about fighting in Iwo Jima and stuff. <laughs> Okay, um, was his name Marvin? Marvin the janitor. Yes, Marvin. Marvin. I mean, look, he was he was a, a troubling looking fifty nine years old, easily. Um, yeah, I'll give it like I'll probably give it closer to sixty two. I feel like I've seen that actor somewhere. Where do we know him from? Do we know? Yeah, I was looking up. I, I he kind of looks like other guys. He kind of looks like the the racist dude from Gremlins, which was another Christmas movie <laughs> oh, yeah. we did. But the guy was fifty two years old, Whoa. and if that's the case, then he would have been seven years old fighting at Iwo Jima. <laughs> he was fifty two. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, he's he's eighty five now. Wow. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, that is that is a little confusing. And and then the other thing they introduce us to so like so John McLean is getting like pushback from the the cop the Sipowitz guy and yeah. Dennis Franz and he's like I just like there were there's a shootout and I killed some bad guys and this and that and finally he like gets to Fred Thompson is what he's the head of wow. Yeah, like FAA. What is he? Like he's the head of Dulles. It's confusing. Yeah, because he's like in charge of air traffic control or something. But then it's like it's bigger than that. But then why would he be there? It's very confusing. Yeah, he's uh, he kind of he overrules he overrules Dennis Franz. Yeah. Yeah, he's the head of security slash head of air traffic control. That's that seems like a lot of responsibilities for an airport. You know, he must get paid a lot of money. Um, I, I did read that the script contained a lot more fucks until Fred Thompson complained and said, we got to remove 
some fucks. Well, look, it's out of respect. Yeah, it's out of respect for some for a gentleman that's in his eighth decade on the planet that you would want to you were like hey guys the language you know this guy this guy lived through the depression and the roaring 20s okay. and it was a different time and <laughs> how old was fred thompson in this movie uh okay uh, jason you want to go first because you uh, you want to ruin thompson, it like you did the last one yeah fred thompson in 1990 was 55 he's Okay. He's been dead for eight years. Yeah, uh, fifty-five. Yeah, that's that's a good guess. I think Jason's pretty close, but he's off by a decade. I would say he's around sixty-four years old. He was born August nineteenth, nineteen forty-two. So he was forty-eight years old. Stop! No, he, I'm forty-eight. Probably he was probably forty-seven when it was filmed. What? Yes. He didn't turn 48 until August of that year of, of 1990. And and this was within 12 months or 18 months of him uttering the most um, remember, memorable line from Hunt for Red October, right? The Russians don't take a dump without a plan. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes. Very wow. good. Yep. For, uh, I have a, I, have a um, I need to admit something. I've, I've never seen Fred. Uh, I ne- what, I've never seen Fred Thompson, and I've also never seen Hunt for Red October. <laughs> Is that the one with uh, with Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. And it's Sean, a good movie. Sean Connery. I should it was see more, that. It was more yeah. Sean Connery than Alec Baldwin. It was like the the villain was kind of the a a list, right? The heavy, but. Yeah. But the protagonist, like Alec Baldwin's character, is the same character that uh, Harrison Ford plays right. in right. several other, like Tom Clancy yeah. and John Krasinski, and then the uh, yeah. and the prime. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Fair. Jack Fair. Ryan. Yeah, Jack Ryan. Uh, what else happens? At uh, so yeah, that you you learn about you see. Uh, I think Robert Patrick in his first like big movie role. So well, not big, but first movie role. He plays a henchman. He, and it was interesting because they're they're pretending to again. This is where this is where the legend Osama bin Laden. He probably went to school on this because he's like, you go to the airport, they do nothing at airport. There is no there is no uh, security at airport because you could just do whatever you want. These guys are just like, oh yeah, we're here, we're painting. We've got to paint this shit. We're just painting the airport over here. <laughs> we have rollers. We we yeah. have full access. We have rollers. Yeah, we're painting with rollers, and they they get up to the top of the escalator, and then they like shut off the escalator or something, and then they get in a gun battle. And the whole time, and I know everybody's thinking this because Robert Patrick is one of the bad guys. You're like, why don't you just shoot out a, a long knife out of your hand or? <laughs> Like, because he must have gotten the role shortly after this, right? Wasn't yes. T2 like 91 or so? Yeah, you know, you know, T2 was that was originally supposed to be Billy Idol. Billy, wow. Billy Idol was cast, they had made posters, they were re- really they, Billy Idol was gonna be the T2, but then he fucking slid out his Harley on Sunset Boulevard and broke his femur like a couple weeks before they were start sh- supposed oh, to start shooting. I thought it was when he got knocked out by Phil Donahue and then they're like, oh yeah, we can't have Terminator <laughs> get knocked out by Phil Donahue. I didn't know I didn't know that was true. 
Phil Donahue oh, yeah. knocked think, out Billy Idol? I think Billy Idol was being uh, a little rude with Marlo Thomas, and Phil Donahue <laughs> clocked him. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so that's how that's how Robert Patrick lucked into the role. But every time you see Robert Patrick, even when he's on The Sopranos, like like John McClane... Even to, to turn into like liquid metal. Yeah, John McClane shoots him twice in the chest, and I just expect him to no. repel the bullets back no. towards John yeah. McClane. <laughs> what else is going on? Ed? Um, yeah. So, so anyway, the general eventually murders everyone yeah. on the plane. He shoots yeah. them in the head. He shoots the front window yeah. of the, the the windshield of the plane. Turns out he's a pilot. And so it's so he's a pilot, but it's also a blizzard outside. So he's it's got to be so cold, yeah. and like he he wouldn't be able to feel his fingers. But yeah. anyway, yeah, he. They, the the bad guys essentially take over all of the uh, control tower. Yep, and they they start fucking with the planes, like not letting them communicate with the planes. Yeah. They turn off the lights of the runway, and then they take a uh, British flight flown by yeah. Colin Meany, yeah. who yeah. we saw in uh, Con Air. Yes, um, yeah. he's the guy that looks they, like Colin they, Montgomery. Like, hey, you've got because yeah. he, he can't see shit. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, you got plenty of room. And he, the plane just flies right into the runway and they all die. And then they turn on the, the lights of the runway so the general can land. Yes. And but before McLean knows this and like uh, crawls out of a, a, a like a manhole cover on the middle of the runway. Yeah, yeah because the because the janitor gives him the directions. Right. And then he tries to like he punches and tries to take over the the, the general's like extraction yeah but they trap him in the cockpit and they start shooting at the cockpit and the general gets away and they throw grenades in there so he pulls the ejector seat yeah. and that's the iconic scene we were talking it's, about it's, where he flies out it is really cool we have to give credit to Rennie Harlan for that one thing I will say that before all this happened is they're like Fred Thompson's like, okay, they've got our, um, they've got our comms and, you know, we're at their will. So he goes, just tell the planes that are like not that close to the airport to just fly to different airports. And then he goes, but the planes that are like here, just tell them to hang out and then we'll just tell them to land. You know, he goes, we got two hours. He's, this is Washington D.C. He's got the fucking entire eastern seaboard to land. Pla- there's, you there's, be, but if you're in the air, yeah, you can be in Philly in like I don't know, I don't know, ten minutes, five minutes. Yes, there's yeah. there's nothing but places to land. There's all there's only airports. It's the fuck. It's completely populated everywhere. There's all sorts of choices. With where there's fucking Air Force bases everywhere. There's only shit where you could land a plane. They're like, there's Whoa. National. There's yes, Dallas. There's, and now yes. it's called Reagan National. Yes. But like, there's another airport in D.C. There's another airport in D.C. And they go, uh, you know, we got two hours or all or these fucking or all these planes are going to land on the White House lawn again. Osama bin Laden. OBL, he's sitting so there fucking they're, making they're, notes. Yeah, they're they're yeah. essentially they're gonna like run the the ten or fifteen planes out of out of fuel, and they're all gonna crash. Ridiculous. And one of those planes is Holly McLean. Yes, of course. Somebody did the math 
and they poo-pooed that whole line about the White House lawn. Like, I guess the White House lawn is an hour from Dulles. Uh, is so it? They'd, be, they'd be crashing. In no, not by air. Not no, by air. No. I guess an hour drive. It's a minute. No, yeah. It would be an hour in, in traffic. Yeah. As the crow flies, it's like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So you're pooing um, this this uh, theory that I'm pooing the poo pooing. Ed's yeah, Ed's poo pooed the poo poo. <laughs> and and uh, as you put it, so his wife is uh, up in the plane with her rival, the uh, Thornburg, who he she yeah. punched. Yeah. At the end this of man has movie. no dick. It's true. This man has no dick. And Thornburg somehow gets gets uh, access to the comms. Not sure how this works. He just tells the yeah. producer who yeah. has a quote unquote receiver. And he just turns it on, and all of a sudden he could hear everybody talking. Um, and there's a great line. She's like, um, "What are you uh, practicing your speech for the Sleaze Awards?" Or- <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "More like the Pulitzer." Yeah. No. I he so the the big issue this this like uh media whore reporter guy yeah. the first movie he fucks things up for the McLeans because he gets John's details and they interviews the kids and like exposes yeah. Yeah. Holly making her a hostage. He did something ethically wrong time. I didn't see that he did anything wrong and they still taste him. Yeah. He 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 was just reporting from a plane that was running out of fuel. Yeah, and they're like, "Fuck this dude!" And they yeah. just zap him. Yeah. Well, he seems pretty hateable, so you know he's hateable. Yeah. But like, he didn't. The last time, you know, the last movie, he did something absolutely wrong yeah. by like exposing yeah. the identities of people. This he was just talking. Good point. But yeah. but you have to admit, though, I mean, Ed, the, what what the movie wants you to believe. Is that he caused unnecessary panic at Doas? Like, because everybody was watching the news, and they heard him doing the phoner from the from the plane, and then Doas just went into chaos. Remember, that was but, that's what he's yes. being blamed for here. But you know what? They should be in chaos. <laughs> they mm. should be getting out of there. There are terrorists there. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Absolutely fair. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, they they tase him, and so now uh, McLean they're trying to they're trying to escape with the general, and like so, so these guys turn traitors. Oh, and then we got Cleo McDowell. I forgot about him. So they send in uh, special forces, and John Amos is supposed to be like the CIA, or Mr. I'm not sure what. No, he's, the he's in the army. army yeah, Mr. Forces, Evans. Yeah, yeah. again, again. Yeah. A great many um, 61-year-old guys still on active duty. They're, they're just like, <laughs> he oh. still looks like he could fuck things up, though. No, he, 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 de- he, de- he definitely could. It, and look, I thought he died on the Alaskan pipeline back in 1979, <laughs> but there he was, still going strong. Yeah, still going sl- strong. This is right after Cleo McDowell. Um, but he... Is actually in cahoots with William Sadler. I had forgotten that and detail. The, the, and the general, and so they were they were pretending to be shooting uh, guns like in a, a firefight, but really they were shooting blanks because they wanted them to get away. And now all of them have gotten together and they've boarded a plane and they're going to take off and go to a non extraditing country in the 
Caribbean that they didn't say which country. That's one of these. Um, that's one of these I, extreme I, I, bullshit things where, like, look, you're you can't go somewhere that the CIA can't come and get you. Like, right. of course, not. there's no there's no non extradition. Oh, they don't have an extradition I say, agreement. I would say Russia. Russia's like, the like, only like, one. Yeah. Russia's about it. If right? you're, if that's, you're, that's where, yeah, that's if, where, uh, what's it? Uh, it's noted. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you are, um, politically relevant, you can go to a place that, like, North Korea would be like, ha ha, we got your guy. Yeah. You know, but you can't fucking fly to Venezuela and be like, I'm, look, I did murders, but I'm good because I'm in Venezuela. They will come get you. They come get you everywhere. Of course. Hey fam, there's still a lot more of this episode to hear, but it's only available to our bonus content subscribers. Click the link in the show notes or go to theballerlifestyle.com and subscribe so you never miss a minute of the show. Brian Beckner, quick to dissect the week in sports and culture and whatever. Plus daily choice ends taking a peek while you're over at the urinal taking a leak. Talking loud, come as conductors, my brothers. Reviewing some movies and shows and others. Top podcast, man, no one is above us. Five star, even the haters will love us. And we're not trying to talk politics a lot. We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot. Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top. Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot. Listen up, you players and shot callers, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. And you know the show is so flawless, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. Listen up, you players and shot callers, TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. And you know the show is for all.